This conversation with the gruff news editor Imtiaz Alam could be taken as a short course on the extreme peril of reporting in Pakistan. It's also one man's colorful account of how the U.S. pushed Pakistan into its predicament today. It's number 18 in an audio series we're calling Another Pakistan, recorded in midsummer 2011. It's a co-production of the Watson Institute at Brown University and the Asia Society. I'm Christopher Leiden in Lahore with Imtiaz Alam, journalist, editor, ringleader of Pakistan's Rouse threatened news profession. If they could figure out what the story of Pakistan really is, could they find a way and would they be allowed to tell it? This is open source from the Watson Institute at Brown University, an American conversation with global attitude. We call it at home on the road this summer of 2011. It's in Pakistan with Pakistanis. Imtiaz Alam, you have written and testified about this deadliest place to be a journalist in the world. Sum it up and speak for the profession, as you have here a lot. You see that uh, over 70 journalists have been killed, 48 in target killing. 28 uh, are those uh, about whom the motives are clear, that one side of the conflict or the other, whether the militant organizations or some warlords or some agencies of military establishment, they had targeted them. But not a single case has been prosecuted. Despite investigations in some cases, no clue was found. So there is uh, a culture of impunity about it. Mm. So when this Salim Shahzad, uh, the journalist killed recently, and about whom a commission is investigating uh, into the murder... In fact, uh, this murder, which was took place in capital Islamabad, sent a very chilling uh, message to the journalist community, and everybody got together to protest and demand the investigation. This has to do with uh, the war on terror. The journalists are forced to get the story from the warring parties. And Salim Shahzad talked about the Taliban and the ISI. Yes. Uh, Salim Shahzad basically was covering uh, mainly the militants from the federally administered tribal areas, which is the area on the border with Afghanistan mm. and where the center of uh, terrorism is located and where it is alleged that there are a lot of sanctuaries of the extremists. Uh, so he was close to uh, these guys uh, and uh, he interviewed them, he had access to them. And then he was, uh, at the same time, also talking to the intelligence agencies. And uh, the, the, the mail he wrote to Human Rights Watch that he might be killed by the ISI or Inter-Service Intelligence, which is the prime intelligence agency in Pakistan. Uh, so in conflict, it's a big, big problem. It's a dilemma for the journalists that if they report the one side, the other side is angered. And if this report the other side, uh, the, the first side is, uh, gets angry. So yes. And you get into the crossfire. It's difficult uh, to get embedded, as in the case of the American journalists in Iraq, that you are clearly embedded with one uh, battalion or the other, and you are reporting from there. You are, your safety is ensured, but not in Pakistan's case. The journalists, uh, hundreds of journalists, are at risk while reporting the conflict. In Salam, people get in trouble for covering the war. What about the coverage of, of the religious extremes in Pakistan? Around the murder, for example, of Salman Tassir and the cheering for his assassin. 
his bodyguard who turned out to be his assassin. I mean, how do you cover that? What are the limits? <clears throat> I think uh, media was divided on this. Uh, media was initially sympathetic about Salman Taseer. But then, in the end, uh, when uh, sentiments uh, subsided, people asking very sharp and serious questions that you can't uh, kill a person, you can't uh, execute a person on your own when there is a system of law, there is a system of courts, there is a system of police and there is a system of prosecution. You can't become the prosecutor, the jury and the judge and execution at the same time. So it was a very dangerous trend. And finally, what happens now that in the end, the liberals won the argument that you don't have the right uh, to declare anybody the, that he is against Islam or he is, uh, uh, you can't apostatize anybody, you can't uh, uh, declare anybody blasphemer, or nor you can execute on your own. There are laws and you have to follow the law. How many editors in Pakistan supported the assassination of Governor Tessier? All the English newspapers uh, were critical of the attack. Some Urdu newspapers also opposed this. But uh, some section of the Urdu press and section of the electronic media, uh, popular television programs, in which they were carried away by the emotions on the street, and they came under greater criticism from the senior section of the press that you can't do this. So, but uh, you can say the media was divided on this. Imtiaz, in this society with a war in the near background, religious militancy in the street, an unequal society. How do you, how do you tell the story of Pakistan today? <laughs> Give us your version. It's, it's, a very, it's a horrifyingly difficult situation. Uh, we are sitting on uh, a big bomb, which is sticking. And yes, extremism has spread, uh, but it is still not the mainstream of Pakistan. The religious parties do not get more than 4%, 5% of votes. Uh, but they are very well organized. And now there is no liberal leader as of like Benazir Bhutto, who could stood up and say no to religious extremism, no to terrorism. But at the same time, you will find a strong liberal, legal, constitutional uh, English tradition since British times. And army is part of that. And police is part of that. Judiciary is part of that. Media is part of that. Our universities are part of that. So there is a big war going on uh, within the state, in the society, uh, on the roads, in the markets, in the colleges, in the universities, in the media. So the country is divided. And a big struggle is going on. You give Britain a great deal of credit for establishing the institutions of law and media and other things. Uh, because you mentioned the Brits, I'm, I'm interested in how, uh, in your own experience, how different the American hand, the American touch, the American mind is. Yes, I think uh, Britishers uh, knew much better the subcontinent. If you see that, how did they rule? They did not face any big resistance. They had not to, except for 1857, War of Independence or the, what they call mutiny, most of the time it was all peaceful and they did it through non-violent uh, persuasive manners and they learned about the local conditions, about the tribes, about, about our culture, about our ethos and uh, they brought what not from railways to communication system, to legal system, judicial system, system of education, civil service, police, civil laws, criminal laws. They established the modern state in the subcontinent. 
and we inherited in pakistan as well uh, so they used to have uh, uh, they they learned a lot about the society americans uh, do not have that rich experience as the britishers had uh, so that's why sometimes i say that americans should hand over the job to the britishers they can perhaps perform the job better than the americans <laughs> <laughs> when you can get the americans out of their bulletproof cars they're, they're terrific but yes. a lot of the americans we've met are pretty pretty insulated and isolated from the pakistan street yeah that's right because of this war on terror and uh, moreover the people do not like uh, visible american presence the isi was under pressure uh, to ask the cia and their operatives to leave especially after this raymond davis case and raymond davis case was on the streets of lahore the man killing two people on the streets uh, so called so called diplomat who yeah who surely looked like a cia contractor yes yes mts ala mamoni do your readers know that the united states armed the taliban commissioned the taliban sent them off to war in afghanistan against the russians 30 years ago and that we're we're dealing with a problem that in many ways has american fingerprints on it yes that's right that is the original sin that fighting soviets uh, you uh, pumped up these people you backed up these people you trained these people you gave them the dollars and even uh, president uh, your president brought these people to the white house telling them you are like our forefathers that uh, see never goes out of my eyes mm. and that was so disappointing to see these jihadis and the afghan taliban and afghan mujahideen or the militants sitting in the white house and they were being compared to the founders of the uh, united states uh, so that was a very awful and uh, disgusting uh, comparison and you brought uh, the all these people from all over the arab world muslim world put them together to fight the satanic uh, or the atheist soviets so now when they turned their guns against uh, against washington uh, now you are saying you know they have become terrorists i considered them terrorists then i consider them to terrorists now Mm. they were terrorists then and they were terrorists now the problem in our mind is that americans may again leave uh, leaving the best for us leaving taliban for us so again that troubles us you left all these guys here and they were here and uh, they continued their private job uh, of killing and violence and which law they are using against you is is the us in a position to clean up the problem it introduced here Yes, you did the Urdu couplet that you gave the pain, you you find the medicine. Hmm. So you have to give the medicine as well because you gave us uh, this <laughs> this trouble. <laughs> uh, but no, this is just not your job. This is our job as well because we are being threatened. Our schools are being attacked. Our head, military headquarters is being attacked. Our ISI's headquarters is being attacked by these guys. Our naval headquarters was attacked. in karachi by these guys yeah. and they are trying to take over pakistani state which will never let them take over and they cannot take over pakistani state at at, at worst they can just uh, turn pakistan into a big field of sectarian killings as we witness in iraq thanks to again your courtesy uh, but uh, they can't create a centralized state under one leader no that's not their future mts alam you describe a headache that's not about to go away what's the chance that the commission studying the murder of salim shahzad is going to change anything 
And if that doesn't, what, what, what will? You see that it has at least the very formation of the commission was in itself a check on the culture of impunity that if you kill a journalist, you will be prosecuted, you will be brought before a commission, that uh, you will have to clarify your position, you will not go scot-free. Even if uh, this commission fails to unearth the killers of Salim Shahzad, the journalist, even then it can produce something good. Uh, Just it, putting people on notice, you mean, that yes, we're watching? Yes, that's important. You see that uh, all these cases uh, went uh, unprosecuted. Imtiaz Alam, I'm hugely grateful for the chance to talk with you. A man in the middle of a, of a horrifically interesting situation. Yeah. We wish you the best and we thank you for a conversation with Open Source. Thank you very much. My pleasure talking to you. Ben Mandelkern produced and edited this conversation in Lahore with the editor Imtiaz Alam in the offices of the South Asia Free Media Association. Our series, Another Pakistan, is a co-production of the Watson Institute and the Asia Society. Zarmina Ansari is our producer in Pakistan. Thanks also to Bina Sarwar of the Aman Ki Asha peace effort between Pakistan and India. The conversations continue from South Asia and online. Listeners, please feedback your views, your Pakistan, with a comment on our website, radioopensource.org. I'm Christopher Leiden. Thank you for being part of the open source conversation.